Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. In this episode, I'm welcoming Spencer House, who is the creator of nicheprocess.com, and longtailpro.com. Longtailpro is a keyword research tool and Spencer has been very good at creating niche sites, making them rank in Google and making passive income from them. So I couldn't resist on the opportunity to invite him to try and understand how he does keyword research and how he is so successful with it. So Spencer, thank you so much for joining us. Can you please introduce yourself shortly to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the podcast, first of all. Hey, everybody out there. I'm always excited to talk about keyword research. You know, my very quick intro, I guess, if you will, is I I run the blog over at nichepursuits.com where I talk about my own business and my background in building lots and lots of niche websites. I've also created the keyword research tool, Longtail Pro, that you mentioned that I've been running for about three years. I created about three years ago. So I build out lots of Usually smaller affiliate sites, although I'm moving into building out larger sites now. I'm a blogger, have a podcast myself, and a couple of other little side projects as well. Cool. Well, that's really good because a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, they're usually thinking about starting sites or just working on smaller sites and so on. And, and that's why I'm really interested to learn how you do things. You know, So to get things started, can you just describe like from a bird's eye view how you go about doing keyword research in terms of the basic steps you're taking mm-hmm. when decided to pick keywords, you know? Yeah, and so it really depends, first of all, what type of site you're going to build. Okay, so I mentioned that I built lots of small affiliate websites, if you will, but now I'm building out a little bit more larger authority-type websites. So it really depends. So first you need to decide what type of site you're going to be building. And we can go into what the differences are, but just generally speaking, for keyword research, you're going to want to find a keyword that is one that you can rank for easily in Google. So you need to do a lot of competitor analysis, but it also needs to be a keyword that gets enough search volume. So if it only gets searched for 10 times every month, that's probably not a keyword that's worth targeting. So, you know, that range usually is somewhere between, well, we can go into to maybe what the usuals are in a little bit, but uh, it needs to have enough search volume. And then for the most part, you want to target some type of buying keyword or keyword that advertisers are interested in actually being associated with. So that's kind of a, a big picture view. And I know we're going to get down into the nitty gritty steps, if you will, of, of all those things as also. Yeah, and to start with one of these steps, it's like you say you need to have enough searches a month, but like when you read around for all these SEO blogs and so on, you know, everyone has their own recipe, right? And personally, what's your minimum search volume you would ever go for when picking up a keyword, whatever it is? Yeah, so I'll give two different answers here. So one, if you're just building out what you plan to be a smaller affiliate website, you know, something that maybe you don't plan on it, being a site that's thousands of pages, you know, maybe it's just going to be 20 or 30 pages. You're just picking one very small niche. Usually for those types of primary keywords that you're targeting, you want a minimum of probably a thousand searches a month. Anywhere between a thousand to 10,000 is kind of 
the range for a primary keyword, so the main keyword for your website. And kind of the the range that works best typically for me is somewhere between 2,500 and 7,000, something like that, is where most of the keywords that I find in that particular market. However, if you're out building a larger authority website, believe it or not, the search volume can be much, much less because the idea is that you're going to be producing hundreds and hundreds of pieces of content, maybe thousands. And so each keyword doesn't need to get a thousand or five thousand searches a month. You know, only I would say 200 is a minimum search volume per month because once you have thousands of articles all targeting keywords that only get searched for, 200 times a month, that can be a lot of traffic over a lot of content. So it really depends on what your goals are for your website. But those are some really rough numbers. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to add to that. I'm mostly running authority sites with a lot of pages these days. And one thing that I want to add as well is the way the, the keyword tool and keyword planner and, uh, you know, all the tools that relay on the API that's based on the Google API, mm-hmm. they give you exact searches for a given keyword. Right. But usually there's like hundreds of variations that you will also rank for. Yes. And so we have articles that are officially targeting keywords with like 200, 250 searches a month, etc. They still get thousands of visits per month because especially when you talk about product names, for example, in terms of keywords, mm-hmm. like there are so many misspellings or like people add the brand, they don't add the brand, they add the name of the, the shop they want to buy it in and so on and so on. And that adds up to thousands of keywords, uh, thousands of keywords, each with very little volume, but you're going to rank for all of them. Nobody's optimizing for all of them, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a really great point because, I mean, that demonstrates the power of the long tail, right? I mean, there's people are out there searching. They may be unique queries that nobody else has searched for, but still kind of the root thing they're searching for is maybe a phrase match of that smaller keyword that we're targeting. And so you're exactly right that you shouldn't expect only to get a tiny trickle of traffic, but by producing lots of content, you usually cast this very wide net that can end up capturing all these very long tail keywords that maybe you didn't even expect to capture, but you just do because you're you're writing so focused on particular topics. Yeah, I mean, actually, 15% of the queries typed in Google have never been typed in Google before. Exactly, yeah. So, And and Google is 10 years at this point, and most people use it every day. So that's pretty crazy. It's pretty impressive, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there's also Google has this new hummingbird algorithm where they really, like, look at what they call the web of things rather than the web of keywords. And that means that they're trying to understand what the content is about. And as a result, you know, they're they're much smarter at identifying what you're about. And if you're not exactly about that keyword, you will still match the – and your content still matches the query, sorry – then they will still match you with that query and and show you very high. And that's happening more and more. And I guess that's why also authority sites are dominating more and more searches because sniping keywords is becoming more and more difficult these days. I don't know if you agree, Spencer. I do agree with that. And there's a lot of factors as to why it's, it's more difficult. But part of it is just that Google values more authoritative sites overall as well. And so, yep, I agree with that. Cool. The next thing I wanted to ask you is how do you go about evaluating the competition in the top 10 like to see if it's worth it or not because there's so many metrics out there that are not exactly super reliable so i'm thinking for example of PageRank. that's you know it's been updated like nine months ago right now 
And domain authority is kind of an SEO most metric, but it's not really Google, so it's kind of hard to rely mm -hmm. on that and so on. So I'd like to know what you're looking at, basically. Yep, absolutely. So there are a number of factors, a lot of things that you can look at, and we can dive as deep here as you want, but uh, <laughs> and feel free to follow up. But so there's a couple of things that you want to look at. Overall, one is, of course, relevancy. It's worth mentioning that, of course, you want to see how relevant the results in Google truly are to the specific keyword that you've typed in. And that's a, a more minor thing nowadays, but there still are opportunities where several of the sites ranking on the top page of Google are not truly targeting the keyword. You know, they're not using the entire mm -hmm. phrase in their page title or, you know, on their page. And so simply by targeting the keyword better, you can at least over-optimize or optimize better than they are on page. So look at relevancy of the keyword. Then you get into things, you know, the off-page factors, which is where you're going to spend most of your analysis time. I personally look at things like page authority, which again is a, a Moz metric, but the page authority, the number of links pointing to that page, and to a lesser extent, you know, site age, and I don't really look at PageRank, to be honest, anymore. It's one of those things, like you said, Google doesn't update it quite as much. And for various reasons, it doesn't matter quite as much. And then another big thing that I look at, like th there's some things that I like to see in the top 10 results of Google. For example, I like to see other weak types of sites that are ranking in Google because that gives me the confidence that I can outrank them. And weak types of sites might be forums or answer type sites like Yahoo Answers or other user-generated question and answer type sites or other small affiliate websites. Um, if there's already an affiliate website ranking in the top uh, 10 results of Google for my chosen keyword, that usually gives me some confidence that, hey, here's a weaker site typically, and I feel like I can outrank them. So I like to see those other weaker types of sites as well. That's a broad stroke of some of the things that I look at. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you look at domain authority at all? Because you say page authority, but is that, that like, do you think domain authority plays a big role in all of this? Or? I do look at domain authority and, and as we're talking about this, I actually have Longtail Pro pulled up, which is what I use to analyze the competition. And so it does list, you know, page authority and domain authority plus Moz rank and page rank and site age and, and other things. Mm -hmm. So I do look at domain authority, but really page authority is more important because you're trying to outrank that specific page. Mm -hmm. And so you want to know how authoritative that actual page is. So Amazon is, of course, going to have a domain authority. I think it's a, like 99, you know. It's 100, 100 is, now, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, 100 is as high as you can get. But they have, you know, some small inner pages that aren't, they're not as strong. You know, they're not mm -hmm. something that Amazon's really trying to rank for. They haven't built links to and that you can outrank. So that page authority of that particular page is going to be much lower. So page authority is usually more relevant. Sure, that makes sense. One thing uh, I'd like to add as well as a tip, I I've shared it on the blog already, but you know when you do this keyword research for these keywords and you find these lower type affiliate sites or niche sites and so on, what I mm -hmm. like doing as well is putting them into SEMrush and there's a free version, right? And you can mm -hmm. find all the keywords they rank for, right? 
Right. And then just, just start listing everything they rank for. You can find everything they rank in top three and just, just, just start targeting these keywords if they, if they are monetizable, obviously. Yep. Um, no, that's a great tip. And, and actually, it's something that I've done as well and have found some great keywords using that method. Yeah, you need to combine both, obviously. You need to start looking and then find these sites and then just reverse engineer them and build a long yep. list of keywords. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, okay. Now, I want to talk a little bit about buying intent because it's very nice to rank for keywords, but if you can't really monetize, it's kind of difficult. So how do you go about matching monetization and keywords when you're doing your research? So you want to make sure that there's a market there, right? You can't... You know, I, get, I wish I could think of a quick example, but there's so many keywords that people search for maybe a lot all the time, but there's no products, there's no advertisers that care at all about this type of keyword, whatever it is. You know, maybe it's a celebrity keyword that people type in randomly looking for information on, you know, some famous person that advertisers really don't care. They're not trying to sell a product. So, you know, one thing that I will look at is advertiser competition, and that is provided by the Google Keyword Planner. You know, it basically tells you how many advertisers there are for a particular keyword. And so more advertisers is better, just meaning there's more money spent in that niche um, you can look at the CPC, you know, if you have a CPC of over a dollar, that usually means there's a little bit more money being spent there, that sort of thing. So product-based keywords or keywords that have lots of advertisers are, are by far where you want to focus most of your attention. Fair enough. Do you already match like how you're going to monetize? Like are you maybe already looking for affiliate programs or like, uh, do, or, or is it just based on CPC and then you figure it out when you start creating the content? I guess it kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, really, if you find a keyword that is, you know, kind of matches what I mentioned is product based or it has a great CPC and advertiser competition, usually there's some way that you can monetize that. It's usually pretty easy to determine what that might be, whether that's Google AdSense or Amazon affiliates. I mean, just those two programs cover just about anything you can build yeah. a site on. But it's even better, of course, if you can find some sort of individual affiliate program that maybe you can sell a higher end product or a product at least that you get a higher commission for. So yes, I do think about it as I'm doing my keyword research. And I guess I've internalized that at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, just I know there's certain keywords I just don't look at because I know there's no way to monetize them. It, it's sort of internal to the process, I suppose. Okay, fair enough. Although uh, I'm going to temper that a bit because we have a site okay. called Health Ambition that okay. actually has a lot of very informational content. And, yep. you know, I'd say like half of it, like it's very hard to sell anything actually. Um, sure. But the thing is, these keywords get so much traffic that the AdSense for single pages goes over $300 per page sometimes for mm -hmm. months. Yeah, but and but and, and that's in the health niche that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. health is a little bit different, I guess. Yeah, I mean, health is there is a lot of money being spent in the in the health niche. But but your point is well taken, though that there is a certain threshold, I would suppose. Yeah. At some point, where a keyword, if if it's getting a huge volume, even though there's not any products or lots of advertisers, it it may still very well be worth it, just because it's so easy to rank, perhaps and. The, the volume of traffic will make up for the sort of low visitor value. Yeah, I mean, I would only pick that kind of keyword when I see that I'm finding the keyword and uh, it's like, let's say over 15,000 searches a month or something. 
and then uh, like yeah. 15,000 to 100,000, you know, it's like in that range. And then I put it in like long tail pro and I see a number of backlinks zero, 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 zero. And it happens. When these are informational keywords, very often the pages are crowded with online magazines. So like, you know, you get your men's health and you get your prevention magazine and mm -hmm. a bunch of these big guys. But actually these individual pages are super weak, right? They're, they're barely shared on social media. They're not really linked to inside the site and so on. So sometimes just putting a piece of content up and doing some internal linking from the rest of your content that has links already gets you mm -hmm. like in the top three, four easily, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I will say that I have lots of sites that are targeting more informational products it just kind of depends on the niche and the specific example i guess yeah that makes sense it's just uh, you really need to either have the intent or and you don't really care too much about the volume actually or you need mm -hmm. to have a bunch of volume and very easy to rank for pretty much that's right yep i agree yeah uh, i guess uh, that's it and uh, you know adsense will always match you even if there's no necessarily even no product at all matching the niche even with things like retargeting these days, you know, people buy AdSense banners from retargeting. I think on our AdSense yep. account, 30% of impressions are retargeting. So these actually beat against each other and everything, even though there's really no product matching, even ads matching your niche, as long as there's traffic. Yeah, no, it, it is very interesting. So you can still do quite well on a what would usually be, you know, not a very valuable keyword per Yeah, se. I mean, yeah. that's how all these BuzzFeeds and all these sites that, you know, post pictures of cats and everything make money. They make money on the advertising, on the retargeting and advertising money, actually. Yeah. Because there's no products match, but uh, since people have a bunch of re retargeting cookies, people that retarget bid against each other, and actually people are competing and these get to decent CPCs, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that makes sense. It's still growing and it's still in progress, but that's how. That's why we have so many of these sites, and we didn't have so much like a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. I want to know as well. We found some of these, but I want to know about you. Is there like you know some kind of keyword formulas or structures that consistently are working for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you kind of mean you know like a, a formula for using certain words plus the keyword exactly. or the keyword plus certain words. Yeah, you know there are some things. Um, a couple that tend to work well for me are things like best mm -hmm. product name or or product category, if you will. So you know best hiking boots or best fishing reels, something like that. Or review and reviews after the keyword, those tend to work very well. And another one is keyword plus the word brands, or, or, or actually the word best plus the keyword and then brands. So I'm trying to think of an example, you know, best microphone brands mm. or best calculator brands. That That's a decent formula as well. So that, there's a few that, uh, yeah, tend to work well for affiliate sites at least. Yeah. Uh, okay, that makes sense. There's one that kind of like I worked out like reverse engineering a lot of affiliate sites actually, and I call it the X for Y. And it's basically a lot of people are trying to, for example, it's like trying to rank for like cleansing cream. And yeah, that's really competitive, really difficult to rank for. And it's also not very targeted because you're going to get the 50 years old woman targeting, like uh, Googling that, and you're going to get the 16 year old girl, you know? And, <laughs> They don't use the same yep. cream usually. <laughs> right. And so uh, what I call the X4Y is basically crossing two things. So it could be like best cleansing cream for teenagers. Or it could be best cleansing cream 
for after menopause in the other case, you know, or yes. whatever you want. And that allows you to not only get keywords that are a lot less competitive and still get some search volume. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you can really refine your prospect and offer the right product to them, which increases your conversion like crazy. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, that's a really good one, actually. And one other one that I, I thought of is is often using price or, or dollar mm. amount. So cars under $10,000 or fishing rods under $200. So, you know, kind of the under dollar amount is another one that, that can produce some decent keywords as well. Do you go for keywords like cheap and discount and the people that are price shopping a lot, you know, like? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Yeah. I've, I've definitely done some of those before. Sure. Okay. It's like a lot of people are afraid that people are going to be price shopping and just hoping from one side to the other and not really convert. So uh, is that working for you? Yeah, you know, it trying to think if I, I don't think I have any sites that use that as a primary keyword, but just on individual articles maybe that I've written for that site will target mm. one or two of those keywords. And uh, yeah, they can do okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, the next question is, you know, a lot of people are probably talking to you about keyword research since you have a product around that. And mm -hmm. is there something that people consistently worry about that they shouldn't? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think people do worry a lot. And when it comes to keyword research, I think it actually is important to worry some because it is such an important step. People should be thinking a lot about what keywords they're going to choose. But just in general, sometimes people over worry. I think that people should just take that. And, and this is mostly targeted towards people that are maybe building a site for the first time. Mm -hmm. I think people should just go out and build their first site, even if everything isn't perfect. Because the best way to learn something is through experience. And that's how I learned. I made all the mistakes in the book myself. But your second site is going to be so much better. So my advice would be to, yeah, do your best to do great keyword research. But then just don't stress about all the other little details about, you know, is this the perfect keyword? And I mean, you could spend months probably analyzing competition, mm. but just pull the trigger, go out, build your first site, learn the ropes, make mistakes, and then you'll probably do better the next time. Yeah, I mean, actually, what I tell people usually when they start a site is to actually not worry about keywords at all. I'm very, very white hat in my approach. And so... Mm -hmm. I tell people to build something people like and just like have people, you know, like go on forums, go on Reddit, go on places where they can promote it directly and build something people like that they're willing to like on Facebook or subscribe via email or that kind of stuff. Yep. And by doing that, you're kind of building some authority to your site because you get links from Reddit, you get links from forums, you get links from, you know, you're kind of doing link building without knowing it, you know. And then you, once you have a little bit of authority, and usually I, I look at domain authority from Mars, usually that's kind of the metric I look at, from doing all this promotion, then start creating content that's keyword optimized. Because unless you do, you, you do extra link building on the side, whatever keyword you optimize for, most of the time, if they're profitable, you're not, it's kind of hard to rank for it on your first site. That's a fresh domain and everything. Right. Um, yep. No, I, yeah, those are some great points. So uh, I guess, uh, I guess, yeah. So that's why. Uh, and the thing is, by the time that you're starting to create keyword optimized content, and you can always go back to your old content and re-optimize it, right? Not, nobody stops you. Sure. Uh, 
But by the time you already know your niche pretty well, you already know your competitors pretty well because you're kind of competing with them on forums and Reddit and all of that. And you can really easily reverse engineer, like, you know, who are the big guys and who is not. Whereas in a half day research, it's sometimes hard to figure out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, I would say that as well. But yeah, overall, I agree with you totally on the fact that it's all about getting started. And then things can be re-optimized later. It doesn't need to be perfect from the get-go. Okay, one thing that's not exactly keyword research, but people that do link building like to know, like, do you have any kind of like ANCO ratio that you use to do better for the keywords you're targeting for your pages? And how, how do you go about that in terms of ANCO text? Yeah, it seems like this is an ever-moving target, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, back in the day, it used to be, uh, you know, I don't know, like 50% of your anchor text would be your Way keyword. more even. Like you know, uh, <laughs> you would just go crazy with the anchor text. And, of course, Penguin came along and, and took care of all those types of sites, I guess. And so Google's made so many updates that you've had to change your anchor text to where I'm basically at the point now where I use almost no exact match anchor text whatsoever. It's all either phrase match or um, non-keyword matched, you know, whether that's URL. So, so I don't have a specific ratio other than to say almost as little as possible. I try not to use my specific exact match keyword as anchor text. Fair enough. That makes sense. I mean... I don't do any anchor text. What you can do also that, you know, it's a um, hypothesis that, that may be counting is having your keywords somewhere around your link. You know, they say that they call right. it co-occurrence. Yep. Uh, and they say that, you know, Google scans the whole paragraph or something like that and tries to understand the context, which would make sense in uh, a, with the new hummingbird. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, give some relevance based on the whole paragraph and not just the anchor text. Yeah, which is, that is what we do. We sort of use that. So we mentioned the keywords near our anchor text, but not in the anchor text. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like really, especially if, if you start thinking about anchor text, you're doing too much anchor text usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually the way it goes. So don't worry too much. I think it's way more about the quality of the links you can get than the anchor text. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Cool. Now, I know that you, you, you have a history of doing you know, niche sites and smaller sites and so on. And, and you said recently on your podcast and on your blog that you're going to build bigger sites. And everything we talked about, do you think anything's going to change in the way you manage bigger sites or is it going to stay the same? Yeah, so I am moving towards building out larger authority sites. I got started back in a time when you could, my first, I built my first site in like 2005. And so that gives people sort of a time frame, you know, from 2007 to 2010, I was cranking out these smaller affiliate websites that you could do that. You could rank at the top of Google, but now that algorithms have changed, it's just not quite as easy to do. And it makes more sense from a longevity perspective to build out a site that you can have for years to come, hopefully. And so as far as process change from what I mentioned, the keyword research is still very similar. The, the one sort of caveat or change is just the search volume that I, I guess I mentioned previously. With an authority site, you don't have to worry so much about having some minimum volume because the idea is to just have so much content that you make it up in the volume of content and capturing that, those long tail variations. And to be honest, depending on the site, 
I don't do quite as much research for each individual keyword, if that makes sense. So for the site, usually when you lay out content, we'll pick some general categories and certainly some some topics that we know we want to rank for. And then other pieces of content is often just related to that to fill out the site more. And so I might do a little bit less keyword research, believe it or not, on some of these sites just because I know of the power of the long tail. Yeah, that makes total sense. And having complementary pieces just helps you just rank the whole block, right? If you do all this internal linking and so on. Yep, Uh, absolutely. uh, uh, That's what we call hubs of content usually. It works really well for us as well. We just like we create a subcategory, create a dozen pieces of content, create one free giveaway for that subcategory that's related to the content so we can get people's emails at a crazy rate that's like we get 7 to 10% opt-in rate or something. And then we find also the, the list of products we want to promote and we also build that into the email list and the reviews and all of that as well. And you build that whole little package that interlink together just does really well, you know. Yep. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. One thing as well for our side that we've noticed is that especially the keywords that we talked about, very informational without too much monetization and so on, they can be crazy to build links for you. I'm going to give an example of a keyword we rank for. So on Health Ambition, if you Google it, we rank number two for benefits of peanut butter. Okay. Which is probably not very easy to sell peanut butter on that page. People just go to a grocery shop. But that page, I think, gathered over 20 natural links without the, us doing anything, anything at all. And then we can use that page as a page that we can then link from to other pages that we care more about, you know. So one thing to think about as well is like, what kind of keywords am I going to rank for that are going to generate links from my authority site? And that's been working really well for us. So we really divide our content into two categories, the content that makes us money and the content that builds authority. Yeah. And, and and yeah, I mean, for us so far, it's worked well. And when we build these hubs, we try to have half-half usually. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that is something that uh, we're doing as well. Not necessarily that we know it's going to rank in Google and just generate sort of links that way, but creating more shareable content. A lot of times when you create content just based on keywords, it's yeah, maybe it's boring, boring not that ex- that <laughs> yeah. exciting. Yeah, but if you can come up with something that's very shareable, link worthy, yeah. something that you're willing to outreach to to other people and say, "Hey, we produce this great piece of content." Yeah, if if you can sprinkle a few of those throughout your site, it's a great way, like you said, to build authority for the site, which will hopefully pull up the rest of your keyword-based articles, if you will. Yeah, it really helps. It's just, um, yeah. that's like, especially when you start having a little bit of authority to the point where you just post a piece of content, it's, uh, there's a good chance it's going to pop up on page one without do, you doing anything else. Uh, it mm-hmm. really happens. Then it, it starts really making sense to really not worry about link building at all, just producing that kind of content and letting like social then people pick it up and link to it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the idea is hopefully, uh, Hopefully everybody can get to that point where they're just generating those natural links and sharing and, and everything like that. We've actually never built a single link to that site uh, wow. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, we've been uh, uh, it's been a good adventure. It's been like eighteen months now, so it's it's not <laughs> brand new. But uh, yeah, it's and the link grows. You can see it's like a, a nice little like L shape. Like it's really happening. But I mean, we basically replaced the link building budget with content budget. It, it was a lot of money in content, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's slowly paying off, you know. It's it's great to see that. And the beauty of it is, 
this content is going to keep building things for us in the future months because it's still there, you know, and it's really, really nice as a model. Yeah, absolutely, which is encouraging for me because this is very similar. I mean, like I said, I, I've built some larger sites, but nothing massive, if you will. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gone from the really small sites to a little bit bigger. And, and now uh, Perrin and I, you know, my uh, coworker that's helping me build out these sites, we're developing a strategy and I've already started building the site to, to very similar to what you're doing here uh, with this site. So it's encouraging to see uh, how well you're doing here 18 months on, if you will. We know our sites, it, we're in it for the long haul and it's going to take a long time. It takes but, a um, long time, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we hope it does pay off big time. Yeah, basically, you need to keep going. It's like for us, even the growth was, was a very L shape. And I actually shared screen stress of the analytics before. So I don't mind like uh, sharing that. But like the first six months, the six months we were getting like 500 visits a day or something. It, it was okay, but it wasn't very big, right? And, and now we're 18 months in and it gets 10,000 visits a day. Um, like awesome. Something like that. It's, it's really, really getting big. So uh, yeah. the, the growth is really not linear and you should really just. It's really like very minimal at the beginning. I think it took seven months for us to make our first dollar properly or something uh, <laughs> because we didn't monetize very well either, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, today I could pretty much leave out of, out of that site already. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. Cool. Is there anything about keyword research, obviously, that we didn't cover in the interview that's kind of an essential part of your process that I, I kind of missed out with the questions? Hmm. You know, we, we kind of covered everything in, in broad strokes. I will just sort of drive the point home, at least for, for, for what is working well for me. It really is just sort of picking off the weaker competition. And I know a lot of people, I've heard from a lot of people that when they do keyword research, when they see other affiliate sites already ranking, they think, oh man, somebody's already, you know, taken the spot. This keyword's gone. I shouldn't go out in this niche. But for me, it's very encouraging to see other affiliates, other individual entrepreneurs that, you know, these aren't big companies. These aren't big brands that are ranking. And so I will just say that's that can be a key for anybody that's struggling with keyword research. If you find some results with either brand new websites ranking or websites that you clearly can see are just individual affiliate websites, that should be very encouraging and, and potentially can be a great keyword to go after. Yeah, I mean, it's always better to go against these than to go against really big brands. That, I mean, seeing sure. the direction Google is taking, you know, if you still see people like that on the first page, then you have a good chance usually. But you'd be surprised. <laughs> like, I've targeted keywords uh, sometimes out of negligence of proper keyword research. That was, And then I, I looked at, like, you know, two weeks later after the content was up, I was like, oh, my God, why did I target that? Uh, <laughs> like that was really stupid and, right. and surprisingly it just popped up on top you know it just drove an enormous amount of traffic so there are some like food supplements names that we rank for that are in the several hundreds of thousands of searches per month right mm-hmm. uh, like and that's the thing that everyone is spamming like crazy for and right. still these pages get like four, five, six hundred visits per day, uh, which is a pretty good uh, place to be when it's like a like specific supplement type keywords and stuff that are very, very, very start after. And I was like, we, we were nowhere close to get the proper domain authority and so on. Shouldn't have targeted that. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> you get lucky, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's always good. All right. So I guess that's uh, that's basically it for the interview. 
So if you guys want to check out Spencer's site, I'll be linking to it in the blog post. With the show notes, it's going to be authorityhacker.com slash podcast three. And I'm also going to link to uh, Longtail Pro if you want to try it out. There's a free trial. So there will be a link there. It's a really good keyword tool. It's a one-off as well, which is kind of nice when you just start as an affiliate because so many of these tools are like, you know, recurring payments and so on. It just, it just really adds up when you run your sites, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what I really like about, um, about Longtail Pro. So uh, if you want to check it out, check it out. And otherwise, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much, Spencer. Hey, thanks a lot. It's great being on. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.